Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where we unapologetically cast aside denominational traditions and refuse to embrace clever church trends so that we can continue to be enlightened and shaped by the beautiful combination of biblical truth and Holy Spirit power. God is still seeking those who worship in spirit and truth. And for those who answer that call, there will often be a sense of being a maverick or misfit who can't quite fit into the status quo Christianity. The Mavericks and Misfits podcast will empower you to find your tribe, among others who simply want what is true and what is real in God's kingdom. And now, let's join our host, a self-proclaimed church maverick and ministry misfit, Jeff Lyle. Welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. Hey, everybody, we are uh, neck deep in a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a topic that almost all charismatics are interested in. And uh, I'll risk it by saying I think some charismatics uh, take it for granted because the gifts of the Spirit are precious. Um, And if you happen to be of that segment of Christianity that doesn't consider itself charismatic, um, you would find the gifts probably a little controversial because um, you have been made aware over the years of how the gifts don't seem to play out as they did in Scripture. And you may have been taught from your earliest days of Christianity that the gifts are no longer valid. And we understand all of the controversy. We also understand the need for every single Christian to grow in biblical awareness and understanding of what these gifts are, why they are given, and how they are to be used. And so that's really my aim in these series of episodes on Mavericks and Misfits that are dealing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you have not listened to the previous broadcast, I'm going to encourage you to do that because we really need a well-rounded understanding of the gifts as a whole, not just our um, particular favorite gift or the gift that intrigues us the most or the one that we want to um, be able to to debunk. Um, we, We just need an understanding comprehensively of what the Bible says about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You'll hear me use the term charisma or charismata, and that's simply the Greek terms that are typically used to describe the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The other uh, Greek term is pneumatikos, which is um, a lesser used Greek term to describe gifts of the Spirit. But ultimately, these are gifts of grace. These are endowments from God the Spirit that every single Christian possesses. And the controversy, of course, is that many in the body of Christ today believe that the supernatural gifts have completely disappeared off the scene. And most of those people would say, but some of the other gifts are still in operations. And it's such an inconsistent approach to the doctrine of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to say, well, some exist, some don't, when quite frankly, we have no biblical grounds whatsoever to say any of them have passed off the scene. And if we are going to say that some of them passed off the scene, I think you have to say that all of them passed off the scene. And of course, I don't believe I don't believe that at all. Um, I don't believe the Bible teaches it, and I really don't believe that a careful, precise study of Scripture can lead anybody to the understanding that the gifts have ceased. And so I say, along with D.A. Carson, that those who believe in the cessation of the charismata will find no shelter in the Scriptures. That's one of my favorite quotes on this topic. Today, I want to talk to you about tongues in the gathered church at Corinth, tongues in the gathered church at Corinth. Last time we talked about uh, tongues in the book of Acts, and then we kind of got back into uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapters 
um, 12, 13, and 14, which really, really highlight the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to, I'm going to focus on tongues today and even more precisely focus on how tongues were used in the church at Corinth. And quite frankly, they weren't used altogether in accordance with the concept of maturity, wisdom, and love. And so Paul had to write some corrections. And I think we need to pay attention to the corrections that Paul wrote. And especially those of us that practice the gifts might consider ourselves charismatic. If you aren't afraid of that term or ashamed of it, I'm not ashamed of it. I've taken my lumps to be able to align with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, I have no problem saying that I'm a charismatic Christian, but at the same time, I don't want all the baggage that goes along with that to be attributed to me because I'm also a biblical Christian. I believe in the word and the spirit, not just the gifts. And so I want my pursuit of the gifts of the spirit to be in accordance with the written word of God. And for a lot of charismatics, they don't like that because they want to be able to swing from the chandeliers, use the gifts however they want to use them, and don't want anybody bringing any theological parameters to what they believe. And so I'm here as an equal opportunity offender. I can offend you if you're a cessationist. I can offend you if if you're a charismatic. Go ahead and be offended, but just ask yourself, is what Jeff is saying from the scriptures true? And if it is true, then friends, you better get your life in line with it. Uh, Line up according to the word of God, and it's the word of God that is settled for forever. The word of God is the standard by which we will be evaluated at the end of the age. So Paul writes in first Corinthians chapter 14, he says in verse number one, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy for one who speaks in a tongue. We're going to cover this verse. One who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And then Paul gives this kind of grenade. He says, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to highlight this again, that the most theologically, intellectually brilliant Christian that perhaps has ever lived was the Apostle Paul. And his theology was basically the foundational teaching of all of the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul, the intellectual theological giant says, I want you all to speak in tongues. And he says a little bit later, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So I love the the beautiful approach That lets us know that you can be deeply theologically driven and speak in tongues and also participate in all of the other gifts. But we're talking about tongues today because that's the one that everybody loves to talk about. And so let's look at this. Let's just go through the Bible, man. Let's just get into the word of God and let's see if our views about the gift of tongues line up with what the scriptures say. And so let me give you this clarifying word about tongues. Now, when we're reading through these verses in first Corinthians, primarily in verse 14 or chapter 14, um, you find out that the purpose of tongues is carried out in the activity of prayer or praise with singing and proclamation with interpretation. Now I have to slow down here because the the first thing I want to go ahead and acknowledge, especially to those of you that are skeptical about the gift of tongues, I want to acknowledge something that tongues are strange. I mean, let's just go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room. 
Tongues is kind of weird. Um, Paul even kind of highlights it. He, when he says, one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, for no one understands them, but he others mysteries in the spirit. Now, let's just get this straight. Um, when we're talking about tongues, you'll often hear the phrase prayer language. And I've had people tell me over the years, Jeff, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Well, you don't see the phrase in the Bible, just like you don't see the phrase rapture. You don't see the term Trinity in the Bible. But um, these are terms that we've used to describe a principle or a practice that is seen in scripture. And so let me just ask you this. If you aren't speaking to God, excuse me, if you aren't speaking to people, but you are speaking to God, what is that activity called? What is the activity of speaking to God called? I think it's called prayer. And so when Paul says, one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, we are finding out that clearly tongues is a means of praying. If you're speaking to God, but you're not speaking to people, you're praying. And so when we talk about prayer language, we're talking about praying in tongues. Now, I wouldn't die on this hill, but I am going to assert something. Um, I believe that every Christian can pray in tongues. And the reason why I say that, recognizing that at the end of um, chapter number 14 in 1 Corinthians, Paul does ask some rhetorical questions. And one of them is, you know, hey, is, is everybody going to speak in tongues? Actually, it's at the end of chapter number 12. And the, the answer is no, because Paul is going through the gifts and he's saying, hey, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And the implied answer is, is no. But nowhere does scripture say you can't. Scripture does acknowledge that some won't. But Paul says this. Paul says that he wants everybody to speak in tongues. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, I think that what Paul is referring to when he's saying that when people are praying in the spirit and their mind is unfruitful, he's describing that activity of praying in tongues where your intellect does not know what's coming out of your mouth, but indeed you are speaking to God and not speaking to mankind, not speaking to other people. And so I think that we've got to kind of, in, in certain ways, loosen up um, in, in this area of, of putting such tight parameters on what tongues is and what tongues isn't. Um, the bottom line is this, tongues are strange. You know, one of the things to remember is that Jesus Christ himself made a very dogmatic statement in Mark sixteen seventeen. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues in my name. They will cast out demons, not, not just the apostles, not just the prophets. Jesus says, those who believe will cast out demons and they will speak with tongues. So what I'm trying to do here is establish that when, when we're thinking about this gift of tongues, we're not thinking about some special group of elevated, super mature, super anointed Christians. 
the gift of tongues is to be incorporated in the lives of everyday, ordinary Christians. And one of the ways that we do this is this activity of praying or praising, because Paul speaks of praying in the spirit. He speaks of singing in the spirit. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But here's the thing to remember. <laughs> he says that in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 2, he says, when you are speaking in a tongue, you're not talking to people. So it's not meant to be an understandable one-to-one communicative language process. It's supernatural. You're not speaking to people. You're speaking to God. What is speaking to God called? Speaking to God is praying. And so let's break it down and do the the spiritual math here. He's saying that when you pray in in, in the spirit or, or when you are speaking in tongues, you are not speaking to human beings. You are speaking to God. And what speaking to God is, is called prayer. So that's where we get the term prayer language. Um, I was um, many years into the Lord before I ever prayed in tongues, and my experience was um, a sovereign ambush of the Holy Spirit in my office as a fundamentalist, independent Baptist pastor who had only been around tongues once in his life, and that was when I was nine years old. And so at this point, I was 32 years old. I was pastoring a Baptist church, and I get ambushed by the Holy Spirit, and I began to pray in tongues. And it had never happened to me before. Nobody coached me through it. Nobody showed me how to do it. I wasn't even asking for that particular gift. I was in a season of deep surrender and pursuit of the Lord. And the Lord gave me my prayer language. And so I I would just like to say, I make a distinction between what I believe is available to every Christian, and that is praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, versus the gift of tongues, which I believe the gift of tongues is a spiritual gift that some have and some don't. And I believe the gift of tongues is to be used in the corporate setting. And it is effective if it there is an interpreter. And so I make a distinction between the gift of tongues, which is supposed to, with interpretation, build up the body of Christ. And the I make a distinction between that and the praying in tongues, which is my own personal worship and prayer private language, which is not really to be exercised in a community setting. I'm not supposed to be, you know, standing up and praying in tongues in the middle of a church service. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you about that in just a moment. So I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, matter of fact, let's just go there because in, in chapter 14 of first Corinthians in verse number four, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says the one who speaks in tongues builds up himself. Now just, just stop right there. Tongues, are speaking to God, praying to God in a language you do not know. And we'll talk about that in a moment because a lot of people say, aha, I got you right there, Jeff, because tongues are always a known language. Okay. Even if I give you that argument, which I don't, uh, even if I give you that argument, I'm going to tell you there have been 20,000 plus um, an estimated 20,000 plus languages or dialects in the recorded human history, 20,000. And then presently, there's just shy of 7,000 active known languages in our world today. Think about that, 7,000 known languages. And a lot of people say, I don't understand that gibberish. I don't understand that babble. That tongue stuff is not real. Really? Are you familiar with all 7,000 languages? Come on, let's get humble here. Do, do you really think that you can discern whether a language is a known language or an unknown language? The fact of the matter is God knows all the dialects, knows all of the language, knows all estimated 20,000 of them in human history, knows all the 7,000 or so that are available today. And you frankly have no idea whether tongues is babble gibberish or a known language, maybe not known to you, but known somewhere in the world. 
And so just be really careful not to use that straw man argument to say, aha, tongues can't be real because they were always a known language. You just need to recognize you don't know all the languages. You might be familiar with 10, but you're definitely not familiar with 7,000. And so when we're speaking in tongues, the Bible says we're building up ourselves. A lot of people say, well, there again, Jeff, we shouldn't do it because that's selfish. No, 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 friends. Uh, We do a lot of things to build ourselves up in the spirit. We study the word of God. We pray in English or Spanish or Portuguese or Korean or whatever our native language is. We pray in our known language to build ourselves up. Um, we, we exercise, we serve, um, we exercise our spiritual gifts. We serve, um, we attend church, we listen to preaching, we read books. We do all of these various things to build up ourselves in the faith. And the Bible says, this is your Bible. The Bible says praying in tongues builds you up. Now, a lot of people want to say, well, how? Because that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, that's okay. You don't, you don't have to understand everything to believe in something. You just have to look at the scripture and says the authoritative word of God says that tongues, praying in tongues builds up an individual. Therefore, um, it's a valid uh, practice. It's a valid gift because it helps me in my walk with Jesus. A matter of fact, the book of Jude in verse number 20 alludes to this. It says, but you beloved building yourselves up. In your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so I just, I'm trying to establish here that we need to go low. We don't, we don't need to be exalting ourselves saying, I'm not going to practice, believe, or sign off on anything I don't understand. Because frankly, my point that I'm trying to make here, it's a long point, but tongues are strange. You're not going to understand it. If you have to understand everything before you believe in it, then you're not going to believe in much because we're talking about God. We're talking about deep mysteries. Remember what, what the word says. The word says that the one who speaks in the tongue utters mysteries in the spirit. And so there is a mysterious, unknowable element to it. And the pursuit is childlike. You know, children enjoy a lot of stuff that they don't understand. And when we kind of approach the kingdom in this post-enlightenment arrogance that says, I have to understand or explain or control everything before I will give myself to it. That's not childlike faith. And so childlike faith says, hmm, I really don't understand this, but the Bible says it's actually good for my soul. So I'm going to pursue this and ask God to release this in me because I want to speak to the Lord in every way possible to speak to the Lord. And um, one of these ways is this mysterious activity of tongues. By the way, just for for a little additional emphasis, uh, for those of you that believe tongues must be a known language, please remember in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says, when somebody speaks in a tongue, no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Nobody understands them. That right there lets us know that tongues don't have to be a known language. If nobody understands him, that means the language is not known to man. So that old cessationist argument that I used to have that tongues must be a known language, the scriptures themselves don't support that. Especially when you get into chapter 13, it speaks of the tongues of angels. And so we'll talk about that in a little bit more in a, probably a different uh, episode. But let me just ask you, do you, do you, can you consider that you may not be as strong in the faith, as strong as your walk with Jesus, as strong in spiritual warfare, as strong in your resistance against temptation? Simply because you've never considered that you need to be praying in tongues. Think about that. If the Bible says praying in tongues builds you up spiritually, builds you up in your most holy faith, 
and you refuse to pray in tongues or you don't believe in praying in tongues, then maybe you're cutting yourself off from a supernatural spiritual strength given by the Holy Spirit only through the means of praying in tongues. And nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to be weaker than we need to be. Nobody wants to be more susceptible to temptation or attack. We want to be strong. And so Paul teaches that tongues are valuable. Back in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 5, Paul just makes this blunt statement. It's not controversial. It's not hard to understand. He says, I want you all to speak in tongues. Now, friends, let's just go there. Paul says, I want you all to speak in tongues. So at the very least, we take that statement and we say, tongues must be valuable. If the apostle Paul wants all Christians at Corinth to speak in tongues, it must be a good thing. And Paul would later say in chapter 14, verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. That's <laughs> kind of a bold statement. But um, Paul is a tongue-talking Christian. And nobody can accuse him of being intellectually or theologically immature. Nobody can accuse him of being a, you know, a flaky, wacko Christian. Paul said, tongues are valuable because I want all Christians at Corinth to speak in them. And I would believe that because that is important to the Christians at Corinth, it's important to us too. And then Paul says of himself, I speak in tongues all the time. I speak in tongues more than all of you. So very quickly here, I think it's good for you and I to notate that all are encouraged towards speaking in tongues and prophecy. Nobody's encouraged away from these two gifts. Please hear me on that. In the modern day, the cessationist movement, people are told not to speak in tongues, not to consider speaking in tongues, not to pursue speaking in tongues. And the Bible actually says tongues are very valuable. Pursue spiritual gifts, among which is the gift of tongues. So I, I want to say to my cessationist friends, I appreciate all of you. I, I used to be among your tribe. Um, I have a high regard for the word of God. And it is my high regard for the word of God that led me to the place where I affirmed the gifts in spite of the traditional teaching of cessationist. I was taught these gifts are gone. These gifts are not available. And yet when you start looking at the scriptures and just let the scriptures speak, don't read them through your Baptist or your Presbyterian or your cessationist lens. Just read the scriptures as they were, are written. And, and what Paul leaves us with is this understanding, hey, Christian, you are to pursue all of the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, and nowhere are we told to run away from the spiritual gifts. And yet cessationism is a man-made doctrine that tells us the gifts are not available, and even in some circles goes to such lengths to say those that practice the gifts, especially tongues, are actually under demonic control. Um, you guys that are charismatics that are listening, you may not know that large segments, I learned this as a Baptist, I was taught and, and really had it pounded into me that those that are speaking in tongues when they're doing it are under the control of a demon that the demon moves into the belly where all of the nerve endings that control the actual physical tongue, they're housed somewhere in the gut. Um, and that a demon will enter in through your stomach and start pulling on the, isn't that silly? Pulling on those nerves and you will be under the control of a demonic entity. And the evidence of that is if you speak in tongues. Friends, I just want to say that's heresy. It's wrong. And that's an extreme view, but it's also wrong for us to say that tongues are not available today. They're not important today and that it's all nonsense. And so as we're wrapping up here in these last few moments, um, I'm, I'm going to give kind of a segue 
into our next episode because I do want to say, especially to my charismatic friends, that we need to recognize that there, there are limitations on the gift of tongues. And let me give you the first one right here. Tongues are limited in, in the sense that they don't build up other people unless there is an interpreter. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, that the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So hear me on this. When Paul is expressing his, his counsel in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 about the spiritual gifts, he's telling people, please remember Christians at Corinth. The gifts are meant to build up other people primarily. They're ministry gifts. And tongues has a private use that builds up the individual speaking in tongues or praying in tongues or singing in tongues. There's nothing wrong with that. There is a private personal use for tongues that is only intended to build up the person who is speaking mysteries in the spirit. Paul said, when I pray in tongues, I pray without understanding. Please don't forget that. I hadn't mentioned that earlier, but it's a good time to mention it. That Paul says, when I am praying in tongues, I don't understand what's coming out of my mouth. And so in his private prayer time, as he's building himself up in his most holy faith, as he is speaking in tongues more than anybody spoke in tongues at Corinth, as he is recognizing the value of tongues by telling, saying, I want you all to speak in tongues. Paul is saying, when I'm doing it, I don't understand what's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that funny? That this amazing, incredible gift that the giant intellectual Paul, who had been caught up to the third heaven, who had seen Jesus Christ with visual eyes resurrected, who had experienced a massive calling to advance the gospel of the Gentiles, who was the architect of the majority of the doctrine in the New Testament, this theological giant says, yeah, when I'm praying in tongues, I have no idea what I'm saying. And yet nowhere did, did he say, but you know, I'm a little too, I'm a little too sophisticated for that. I'm a little too intellectually brilliant for that. I'm a little too educated for that. Paul just said, no, I want you to continue to speak in tongues. And by the way, when you do, please know that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And so it removes the argument that it's childish to speak in tongues, that it's babbling and it's gibberish. Um, go ahead and define it how you want. I'm going to try to define my, my, my beliefs on this thing biblically. And so he, he's saying, I, I pray without my understanding. So let's put that in the middle of a, of a church service in Corinth. When the church comes together, that is not the time to build yourself up. I want you to hear me on this. Guys, it's not the time when the church comes together for me to make moments where I'm building myself up. When we come together, we, we come to serve. We, we come to learn. We do come to worship. We do come to praise, but we are actually limited when it comes to this issue of tongues because praying in the spirit with no interpretation doesn't build anybody up except, except you. And so when you're gathered together, the spirit of Jesus and the spirit of humility regulates what we do. And so when we, when we come together, Paul is saying prophecy is far more important in the gathered church than tongues. Why? Because nobody understands what tongues is unless there be an interpreter. And, and I would say this, when there's an interpreter, there is a prophetic value to tongues because the tongues come, which are clearly supernatural. Nobody understands. 
what is being spoken in tongues. But there in the congregation, there's somebody with the gift of interpretation. And when the interpretation of the tongue is given, it serves as an understandable word from the Lord that has a supernatural element to it. And so I would say that interpreted tongues are missing from our services today. And it was an important gift in the church of Corinth. But what was happening in Corinth is when the church gathered together, people are just busting out in tongues uninterpreted. They're singing and praying in and, and, and the spirit and they're, and they're speaking in tongues. Nobody understands it. We'll, we'll cover some of the dangers of that in the next episode. And, and what Paul is saying, hey, hey, guys, um, it's better to prophesy. Focus on prophecy when we come together. But when you're pr- praying in tongues in the middle of the service, you're not building anybody up but yourself. And he, he counsels against that. I'll even strengthen it. I, I think Paul disallowed it. I think what Paul will say, in our, and we'll see it in the next episode, is that when the church gathers together, everybody not not be getting their prayer language on at the same time. And, and surely nobody should just stand up and start belting out in tongues in the middle of a service. And apparently that was happening at the church of Corinth to where Paul had to say, hey, let me tell y'all how to use tongues when you're gathered together. So to all my charismatic brothers and sisters, I would just say, hey, let's be mature with this thing. Let's regard the word of God. And I know how fashionable and normal and comfortable it is for our church services where, you know, in a spirit of worship, in a, in a spirit of, of even warfare sometimes, somebody will stand up and grab the mic and say, all right, everybody right now, pray in the spirit. And I'll just say that um, I've never felt led to do that. And the reason why I've never felt led to do that is because I do believe that it violates the scriptural guardrails for how to use the gift of tongues in the corporate setting. Now, pray on the spirit uninterpreted all you want with, um, you know, your private pursuit of the Lord. And I'll, I'll just say this. I do pray in tongues privately when our church is gathered, but I do it where nobody can hear it because I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to cause a stumbling block for those that are unbelievers. We'll talk about that principle in the next episode. And so I'm all for praying in the spirit and, and under my breath or in a very quiet way, or even with my hands in front of my mouth, when we're gathered together, I sing in the spirit, I pray in the spirit, but I don't want my voice to be um, louder. I don't want to draw attention to myself. And I don't want to waste a time where I can build somebody else up I don't want to waste that time building myself up when the church is gathered because that makes me more important than them. And that's foreign to the spirit of Christ. So I hope this has been challenging for you today. I hope that you'll consider it. We're going to come back in yet another episode just on the gift of tongues. That'll be the next episode. And so I hope you'll continue to tune into the Mavericks and Misfits podcast. By the way, as we approach a new year, I want to encourage you to consider getting a copy of my book, Figuring It Out As I Go. You can get that on our umbrella website, which is called transformingtruth.org. Just click bookstore and you can find the book, Figuring It Out As I Go. And I go into great detail about my own experience about being baptized sovereignly by the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues for the very first time. There's also some accounts in there about um, me battling demons before I was saved. And then a lot of um, input about the gifts of the Spirit and um, how that fleshes out in the corporate body. I think figuring it out as I go will be a great help to you. I encourage you to get a copy. There's also another book in there that I wrote a chapter in, um, and as a kind of a composite, a co- collaboration with many other Christian authors and leaders, Bill Johnson, John Arnott, Randy Clark, Todd Smith of the North Georgia Revival. 
Todd actually put this book together and I got to write a chapter in there. And uh, so that book is called Igniting Revival Fires. It's also available at jefflyle.com or transformingtruth.org. So check it out. Continue to help us get the word out about Mavericks and Misfits. We believe that the teaching of the word of God is one of the highlights of what the Lord's doing in this next season. There's going to be a revival of the word. We're getting into chaotic times. And when chaos hits, we need anchors and we need to be grounded in the word. And so I'm believing that teaching the word of God is going to have a primary spot in what God does next in this upcoming year. So help people know about Mavericks and Misfits. Share it on your social media. Rate and review us. Please subscribe to it. Help us get the word out. It's not about me. It's not about our ministry. It is about the truth of the word of God. Mavericks and Misfits is a podcast that is simply geared towards talking about things in the kingdom and also things in the culture. And we believe it'll help anybody that'll listen to it, including those that are not yet believers. So my time's gone. God bless you. Tune in next episode. It'll be released in a couple of days. We'll see you. God bless. Have you gotten a copy of Jeff's book? His autobiography titled Figuring It Out As I Go shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned to childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult, into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24, and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflyle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.